a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for Logan. Would you be right? Could you be right? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood. A neighborly day for beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? you please won't you please please won't you be my neighbor good morning neighbors <laughs> i'll explain all of that in a second first i want to welcome all the campuses everybody here in east green bay everybody at appleton on the worldwide interwebs you're joining with us today and everybody at my home campus in stevens point make some noise i can't hear you you're there i'm here man it's awesome to be here what i have everyone stand up we're going to recite the apostles creed this is who we are and what we believe at celebration church we believe in god the father almighty the creator of heaven and earth we believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You can be seated even if you said amen. They both work here at the church. I want to do two quick things before I get started today, if you could allow me to do that. First and foremost, I want to take this opportunity to thank my lead pastor, my boss, my friend, Pastor Mark. Hey, Pastor Mark, if you're watching online, thank you so much for the opportunity to do what I do. Ever since the first second that you said yes to me coming on as a staff member, it feels like I've won the lottery. You've believed in me, you walked next to me, and it's been truly amazing. The first time I saw you was with my new wife at the time, we went to a Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage conference in Appleton. Our lives have been changed ever since. Christianity became cool, man, because of you. And we thank you. So I thank you so much. And from all of our campuses all across the world, we support you. We applaud you. Uh, we're proud of you. You're doing a great job. I want to pray for him. If you could join me in praying for him and his wife, Debbie, uh, before they make their way home. Father God, across the country, across all of our campuses, we pray for you and your beautiful wife. We thank God for the ministry of Laugh Your Way, that you're able to go out and spread hope and change lives and restore marriages. We're so thankful that you're funny, that you teach in a way that we can understand. And God, I would pray that they'd get home safely, that you'd protect them, keep them well, and keep them rested. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Secondly, uh, before we dive in, I want to explain to you who I am. Some of you have never seen me before, so just a brief history. I'm originally from this great city of Green Bay. I grew up on the east side 
And I thought I was just on the west side, and now I'm on the east side. So I grew up just down the hill over there, got a great family. I uh, grew up in a Christian home, a Catholic home. And uh, it was a really good time. And then went to high school. I pursued music. I went to the University of Green Bay uh, to study music. And there was a problem there. There was a the word study. Uh, and that didn't work for me. So I did what my mother didn't want me to do. I joined a rock and roll band and started traveling around the country with a band called Annex. And we pursued life and we pursued music and we did that for nearly 10 years. And my heart was not quite there. I mean, I loved it. I loved to be on stage, but my heart wasn't there. And I started dating a girl at that time. She's, oh, let me backtrack. Hey, Jill, before I... Uh, say this, I love you. Uh, we started dating and she got pregnant by me. And so don't judge me, right? Right? We all have a past here this morning. And so when we started dating, we kind of had this baby and she's here today and she's 10 and praise the Lord that he brought me here because of her. But uh, that's a little, and I've got a, an amazing family. So I'll get to them in a second. So out of uh, this rock and roll band, I, I knew I was going to have a family. So I did what every good guy would do is get a job, a real job that made some money. I went to the only place I knew a lot about, and that was a Budweiser distributor. <sighs> Whoops. I mean, uh, that's where I went, and I had a, a blessing there to be able to support my family and all those kinds of things. But again, my heart was changing. I was really kind of being molded into what you see here today. And uh, God has blessed me tenfold. It's been unbelievable. I have a beautiful wife now of 10 years. She's my support. Uh, hey, Jill. And I've got four kids, Nyla, Matea, Kalia, three girls. And then I finally had my boy, Gibson. He's a year and a half. They're awesome. And I want to say, don't eat too many donuts. Half is good, full, bad. Eat half a donut. Good morning to all you guys. So that's a little about me and my family. I never thought in a million years that I would be standing here preaching to you. So we want to open our Bibles. If you have a Bible, you can grab it and prepare. If you've got an iPhone, you're cool. And you can turn your Bible app open. If you have an Android, ah, good luck to you. And get your Bibles open to Genesis, right in the beginning, uh, chapter 11, verse 27. While you're turning there, if you don't have a Bible, you're in luck. We'll put the scriptures on the screens. So, as you're turning to Je Genesis 11, I want to explain kind of this. Like, I don't, I don't worship uh, Fred Rogers. Uh, this whole kind of thing was all about the shoes here. But that's my generation. If, if you're wondering why I'm weird and Mark thinks I'm weird and for Mark to think somebody's weird... Uh, I grew up with Weird Al Yankovic and Pee Wee Herman and Mr. Rogers. So those are my role models, all right? So I, this was all about the shoes. Now you see, I bought these brand new pair of shoes I had to for the sermon. Woe is me. Uh, so they're green and they're going to clash with my yellow moped and life is going to be good. But they're brand new. And, and Chuck Taylors, if you've ever worn Chuck Taylors before, you understand this is the best shoe on earth. Right? There's terrible support, but for some reason you can wear them to cut grass, you can plow the snow, at least that's what I do in these things. Then I get up from bed and I wear them as slippers and all this kind of thing. And I just bought them so they, they smell good and they look good and they're shiny. But here's the thing, as, as much as I love this shoe, and if you're, again, if you're a Chuck Taylor wearer, you understand where I'm coming from. As much as I love this shoe and it fits well since the day I bought it the other day, it's not my favorite shoe because it's not old and beat up. I like this, can the camera see this right here? 
I like this shoe way better. This is a Chuck Taylor that I've been wearing for probably 10 years. This thing has been through hell and back, if you want to say that. This has been around the block, and I've loved it. And it's getting to the point where the sole is, you know, falling off. And yeah, no, not smelling good anymore. But I put them on my mantle in my office back in Stevens Point to remind me, A, how much I love these shoes, and B, all the road I've traveled on with them, etc. And they're all beat up. And at some point, I'm going to get duct tape, and I'm going to duct tape it. And it's just going to stay with me, okay? But here's the deal. As much as I love Chucks when they're brand new, I like them much better when they're old. They're a lot more comfy. And I think that's kind of how God works in our lives. Even though maybe we're old and kind of torn and tattered, I think God can use you today despite some of your past. So let's jump into the Bible and see how we can tie this all together. This guy Abraham, early in Genesis, maybe you've heard of him. A lot of you sang the song growing up. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. Come on, y'all. And one of them, and so are you. You got it. So you've heard of him, right? You sang about him, Abraham. Uh, It doesn't take a lot of reading of the Bible to understand that Abraham was really important to God. God called him out, gave him some amazing promises, and did something in his life that he's done in no one else's life before. So I want to unpack a couple things about Abraham, see who he was, maybe teach some of you about who he was, or remind some of you about who he was. So let's get started. Genesis chapter 11, verse 27. The Bible says, this is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Time out. So why am I starting here? Who is, who is this Terah guy? Well, well, it's Abram's dad. And I just want to point out that there's a long line. There's a long laundry list of names stemming from Noah and the ark. God saved Noah and the flood and the ark. And then through him, he had a, he had a son. Noah had a son named Shem. And it trickles down. And so basically, Terah here is the great, 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 super awesome, great grandson of Noah, right? They're all related. And there's Terah. And he has three boys, names them Abram, Nahor, and Haran. So moving on in verse 27, and Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. So Abram's brother, dies, leaving behind his son, Lot. And I'm not sure how he died. He just dead, all right? The Bible doesn't give a lot of clarity here, and that's okay. But what we do know is that we can probably assume there's some grieving going on in Abram's family. They just lost, he just lost one of his two brothers. And there's probably some sadness and grieving going on in the family, right? Can we agree there? Very good. So what happens next in Abram's life? This is just interesting to point out in verse 29. The Bible says, Abram and his brother Nahor, they both get married. The name of Abram's wife is Sarai, who apparently is hot. All right, she's a super model. We're going to get to that in a second. And the name of Nahor's wife is Milka. Weird name. But that's what the Bible says. So verse 30 tells us this about Sarai. Now Sarai was childless because she was not able to have or not able to conceive. This is really important, so don't forget that. Remember, lineage is important and, you know, all these kinds of things. And having a son back then was really important. And Abram's wife Sarai is not having any luck in the baby department. Probably not a bad thing for Abram that she's, and they can practice him to have the kids, but it's not working well. She's not, she's barren, okay? So this new family here sets out on a road trip to Canaan. 
Abram and his wife, Abe's dad, and his dead brother's son, Lot, little guy. And they don't quite make it to Canaan, but settle in a place called Haran. And there, and then Abram's dad dies at the ripe young age of 205. I'm going to go ahead and guess that there was no McDonald's and probably that equals longer life. Not saying you know, that I know anything about that, but maybe. So he's 205 when he dies, right? Just a year older than Pastor Lathan here <laughs> at this campus. So I'm going to do a recap, all right? One of Abram's two brothers dies. He gets married to a hottie who can't have kids. They set out on this pre-minivan road trip when all of a sudden they land in a place where they're not headed. If I'm Abraham, or if I'm Abram, uh, I'm going to guess I'm not excited about my life at this point. You know, God has told me to do some things, and I know there's a lineage here, but I just, I'm frustrated. My wife isn't having any kids, and I can't seem to get where I'm going. Sounds like some pretty regular guy, regular family stuff, doesn't it? Each of us have a family, and there's always kinds of weird things happening in the family. There's death and confusion and love and marriage and all those things. So those are the things that are happening to Abram. So check this out. Abram's flat out old. He's just an old guy at this point and kind of like my old Chucks. He's kind of beat up and he's kind of ripped and torn and tattered. But that doesn't stop God from using him in an unbelievable way in chapter 12, verse 1. Let's go there. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I'll show you. So I just want to stop and say that word, go. If you have a Bible open today, you can go ahead and circle that or underline that. That's going to be really important in just a moment. So the Lord said to Abram, go. Now here are the promises from God to Abram at this point in verse 2. God says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I'm going to curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. That's what God said to Abram at this point. So if I'm Abram, I'm thinking my life seems to be going nowhere. And then all of a sudden, you, God, tell me to go to a place where I don't even know where I'm going. You tell me to leave my people. You tell me to leave my country. You tell me to leave my father's household. You tell me to leave everything that I know and follow you. I would have some serious wrestling matches with God at this point. I would say, hey, God, remember Noah, how you saved him and how I'm kind of part of that? family tree? Wouldn't you, God, maybe want to save me? But my, my life is a mess right now. And what's up with that? And now you want me to follow you. And I think God simply says, yep. Yes, of course. That's what God said. And I believe Abram had a very real heart-to-heart with God at this moment. Because in verse 4, it says, so Abram went. On their travels through Canaan, there happens to be a famine in the land. Because of this, Abram and his wife, um, his new wife, Sarai, they head to Egypt where they're not short on biscuits and gravy, right? They got it going on in Egypt. Pharaoh is there. He's the king. And he's taking some names and he's cracking a whip and they're getting things done. And there's not a famine in Egypt. So he takes his new wife and heads to Egypt and we'll see what happens. Uh, as soon as they get, well, he knows as he's approaching Egypt, he knows there's some bad dudes there that uh, things are probably not going to go easily. So he's got this hot wife 
and he figures they're probably going to kill him, kill Abram, and take his wife because she's a looker, right? That's probably what's going to happen. So now he's entering into a fear state. Now Abram's brand new, brand new to marriage. He's got a new wife. He's leading her, and he's probably freaked out. That's my assumption because look at what happens, and look at his plan, Abram's plan in verse 13. This is what he comes up with and says to his new wife. Hey, honey, um, you know, we're going to Egypt, and they might hurt me, so say you are my sister, so that I'll be treated well for your sake, and my life's going to be spared because of you. Great plan, Abram. Not really. So what's that? This great man of God sets up a lie just so he can be taken care of, and he kind of gets selfish, and he wants things to go well, so he lies, right? A little white lie here in the Bible. Is that what we're hearing? Um, yes, that's what happens. So this great man of God throws down the little lie and he enters Egypt. Well, the story doesn't go as well as Abram thought. The Egyptians spot Sarai as they're entering for her beauty. And it's reported to Pharaoh. But of course, Pharaoh's on the up and up. He knows exactly who Sarai is. He's in the palace on Facebook. He's cracked her, you know, uh, thing open. He's looking at her pictures, going through her profile. He knows who Sarai is. <clears throat> Well, Sarah was taken to the palace, and since she's such a good looker, she's like, you know, top shelf here, they do take care of Abram. They start giving him things like sheep and cattle and donkeys and servants and all the things that equal kind of financial stability in that day. They, they give that to Abram because he's with Sarai. So things are going well for Abram at this point, but things don't go as well as he'd thought. In verse 19, the story kind of switches around. Verse 19 says, Pharaoh says, why, when he's speaking to Abram, why did you say that she's my sister? So that I took her to be my wife. Whoops. I don't think Abram saw that coming. I don't think that when he lied that he thought the king is not going to take his new wife for his own. Now, the Bible doesn't say what happens between Pharaoh and Sarai, but something definitely had to go down. He took her to be a wife, and if you take someone to be a wife, why do you do that? Right. I agree, right? You want to just do things. So he took her as a wife, and, and it didn't go well, and God didn't like that either. It was not going well for God either. If we jump back to verse 17 in chapter 12, we see what happens. The Lord, at this point, inflicted serious disease on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So God wasn't pleased. Abram's freaking out, and now he's got disease. And so what does he do? He kicks Abram and his wife and all their new pets and servants and kick them out of Egypt. So Abram's dealing with the death of his dad, and his brother, he's left everything he knows and he put his faith in the Lord. And now they kick him out of Egypt. Well, I have been booted out of Spanish class <laughs> in high school. It probably wasn't like that, but I remember the feeling I had and the embarrassment I had of getting kicked out of Spanish class. For some reason, Spanish class and I did not connect, right? I got to the point where the teacher just said, just go to the hallway and conduct your own class. And of course, we didn't learn anything, but I was completely embarrassed and I don't think I felt the embarrassment that Abram felt newly married, and now this happens. He gets kicked out of Egypt because of his decision. So when we're looking at Abram's life so far, um, it doesn't seem like the kind of person that you would think God is going to bless. I mean, it hasn't mentioned anything about Abram leading a life group, right, or going to church on a regular basis, or setting up something fun at the temple, right, for kids to do. He's not doing anything like that. So what has he done? 
What, why did God choose Abram to bless? I think it's pretty simple. I think it happened back there in chapter 12, verse 1, when I had you circle go. When God told Abram, go, and then in verse 4, just a few verses later, Abram went. Right, Despite of what was going on, despite of all the confusion and sadness and all those things, Abram heard God say, go. He trusted him and he went. I think as soon as Abram made that decision in his heart to fully trust God, that God put his promises into motion. Despite all those weird circumstances, he kept, Abram kept his heart leaning towards God. And God kept his promises with Abram. So Abram's baggage checklist gets a little bit longer. I got to share this one with you. Chapter 16, verse 1, if we want to turn there. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she says to her husband, Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children, so go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. What? Uh, happy wife, happy life. I mean, okay, I guess I'll do what you said. So he does that. He sleeps with Hagar, and she gets pregnant and has a baby, and they call him Ishmael. Abram's wife, Sarai, gets all bent out of shape. She has some choice words with Hagar. They get in their little cat fight, Pastor Mark. <laughs> right? Can't quite do it like he does, but they get into one of those. And, uh, and then uh, they have some choice words. Hagar splits and things get crazier in Abram's life. So wait a second. Did Sarai just allow her husband to have an affair? That's what it sounds like, doesn't it? Well, back, you have to understand, back in that culture, back in that time, if a woman was barren uh, for more than 10 years, these kinds of events took place. So if you uh, are having an affair because you're basing it on this, please stop. This is not how it works today. I'm going to ask you to stop that. Don't try this at home. In other words, that's just what happened here. Uh, so we don't know really uh, what's going on, but we do know that Abram's life and his wife now is facing some doubt. She doesn't believe God is going to ever bless them with a kid. She's getting old. He's old. And she just doesn't believe it. So she does what she does, but that doesn't stop God from using her either. I think she might have a pair of old chucks as well, as Abram does. So I want to get to the name change where Abram turns into Abraham, which is in chapter 17, verse 1. The Bible says this, When Abram was at nine to nine years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am, the God, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. And then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. I've heard that before. I'm 99, right? We've, sometimes we hear God's promise in our life, and time keeps going on and on and on and on, and we're getting old. So I think Abram at this point is just in doubt, and let's see what happens next after that last promise. Verse 17, Abram, Abram fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Is that even possible? I mean, come on, God. Old, right? How does that work? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? He's in doubt. He doesn't believe it. He's laughing, but I think his heart is still leaning towards God a little bit. Well, many of you know what happens next. Chapter 21, verse 1. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, 
As he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to him, to the son. So the promise was fulfilled here. I mean, it took a long time. And this is an incredible story. And you can research a little more and find out more about Abraham. You just read your Bible right there in Genesis and to see. But God called Abraham out and made those promises of extreme blessings. You see, Abraham kept his heart always leaning towards God. And God followed through on that promise. God said, go. Abraham went. He stayed steadfast and God's promises came true. This is why the Bible is so amazing. It is so amazing. Many of us can relate to characters in scripture and we believe that if God did it for them, that he can do it for me. If God worked in a life like that of betrayal and denial and confusion and frustration that, hey, maybe if I'm going through those things, God can do something good in my life. Maybe I just need to let my heart lean a little bit towards him. So Abraham is like my old Chucks. He's old and he's used. But that doesn't stop God from working in his life and blessing him in crazy ways. And this is what God does. He calls us out by name and he says, will you trust me? So once any of us feel that call in our lives and we sincerely, look, it's going to take some wrestling. I remember when I was going through having to give my life to God. I, would, I was punching floors and punching walls and running away. But we have to have a sincere heart-to-heart -heart with God. And then he could ch change us and make us into something new. Once any of us feel that call in our lives and God's promises and we say yes to him, his promises will immediately start coming real in our lives. I'd like to leave you today with one of my favorite verses from the New Testament. See, we have to understand that Although God loves you today for who you are today and even despite your past. And some of you, listen, I'm friends with a lot of people in Stevens Point who are going through um, Narcotics Anonymous. They're broken because of drugs and alcohol. So they've got a past and they just don't feel that God can do something in their lives. A lot of you, me having a child before getting married, you just feel used and abused doesn't have to be the end of the road for you. You have to keep your heart leaning towards God. And there's a scripture that nails it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, chapter 5 verse 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone, that's you today. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. Exclamation point in my Bible. I love that. Therefore, if anybody is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. See, it's our prayer at Celebration Church that you're searching out godly things. It's not going to be found anywhere else. True joy can only be found in Christ. That if you're listening for his call in your life and that if you respond with yes, when he calls you to trust him, that there's no greater joy on the earth than knowing God and being known by God. Amen. Amen. Do you believe that today? There's no greater call. I wouldn't have dreamt in a billion years that I'd be standing here today, but I said yes. Let's pray. Father God, we're thankful for scripture. We're thankful that it's living today, that it's breathing today, 
And that we can spend only five minutes with you a day and be restored, renewed. Hope can be implanted into our lives. Our marriages can seem well again. Our relationship with our children can seem possible. (laughs) God, we thank you for this church. We thank you that Pastor Mark preaches and desperately wants to distribute truth to people, continue to speak to his heart as he continues to press forward in all that he does. God, we're thankful for this church. We're thankful for fellowship. We're thankful for the army of soldiers that we have, that we can leave this place and be forever transformed. It's all because of you, God, and your call in our lives, and your word is forever faithful. We ask your blessing now on all of us in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. I love you guys. Thanks for your attentiveness. I'll see you all again.